This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, yeah. Fantasy, yes. Carlson. Welcome back everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast. The best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. We are excited to be back for another episode. This is going to be our goalie extravaganza. It's going to be all goalies all the time. We're ready to tell you who you need to be watching to try to draft in your pool, who you should try to avoid, who's become elite, who's lost their status. We're going to give it all to you. But first, I guess I might as well introduce my co-host, as usual, Brian Calm. Hey, Elon. Hello, everybody. This is very exciting, Brian. The season is just about to start. I've already started seeing news on Rotowire today about who's at camp and things like that. Yeah, I've been tearing my goalies in preparation for my draft recently, and I'm excited to share the fruits of my labor with you and our listeners, as always, for free. Why do I do that? Because <laughs> it's fun. For who? I don't know. I have fun. Yeah, it's fun. All right. Before we get started, though, a few things to mention. First of all, we definitely want to give a shout out to Daily Faceoff, who is presenting the podcast, and they are going to be coming out imminently with a draft kit, which is going to be very useful for people in their drafts. And word is there's going to be some tiering help in there as well. We've had a lot of listener questions about tiering, and that's where we're directing people. Dailyfaceoff.com. Keep an eye out for the draft kit if you need some help tiering to prepare for your draft. Mm-hmm. Also, we wanted to give a quick shout-out. You know that some people helped us right at the start of the show, and we gave them a shout-out in the first couple of episodes, except no one was listening then. So I want to mention Pat Roach, who made the outro music for the show. That really catchy... It's a good one. So thanks again, Pat, for making that back in the day. And also thanks to Anthony Watts, who made the logo for the show. You guys might notice it's a bit of an homage to a TV show that Brian and I both like. And thank you, Sweden, for producing Carlson Pataket. I think that translates to Carlson on the Roof, from which we grabbed our opening theme. <laughs> yeah, that always makes me laugh when I hear that song. Uh, all right, so let's get into the goalies. Oh, but wait, Elon, first I want to, well, I don't know if it's considered public shaming because the result isn't in yet, but I feel so sure of it. You wanted to make a bet with me. We've been having this argument. You've been asking me who your keeper should be for like six months now, and <laughs> it intensified during the summer, and I kept giving you the same answer and the same answer. We even talked about it on the podcast, 
And then you went and you kept the guy I said you should drop anyway. And I'm ready to tell you to put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, those who have been listening know that Brian's not a big fan of Joe Pavelski. He doesn't think he's going to be coming close to repeating what he did last year. I was thinking, I still want to keep him, though. I mean, maybe he'll have a high trade value. I don't know. But Brian kept on saying, you have to keep Paul Stastny. But I just, I don't see it. I feel like Brian thinks Stastny's going to get, like, 70 points next year. I don't know. I see 50, 60, maybe. I think Pavelski's going to pass him. So I told Brian I've decided to keep Pavelski over Stastny. And uh, here we are now. Here we are. Yeah. And I went over, I think, in the first episode of our off-season series, I think I went pretty into detail on why I think Stastny will have a good year. And then in an episode after that, I think I went pretty much into detail about why I thought Pavelski would not have as good a year as he did last year. And I stand firmly behind that. And so we are betting what? Well, I think the bet is that the winner gets nachos and beer on the loser. Sounds good. I can taste them already. All right. It's a deal. So the listeners could follow that with us. Let us know. Tweet at us at Keeping Carlson. Who do you think is going to win the bet? Is Pavelski or Stastny going to have a higher points per game next season? And what kind of nachos and what kind of beer should I have Elon buy for me? You've got (laughs) eight months to think about it. All right. But let's move on from that silliness and get into the serious stuff. Even though it is pretty serious who I keep in my in my pool, but it's also serious to know about goalies because goalies sometimes could make or break a team. There's usually only two or three goalies per team, yet there's usually four or five stats that people keep track of. So goalies have a disproportionate amount of weight in your pool, so it's really important that you have a couple of good ones. Brian, how do you want to start talking about goalies? Well, we had a whole episode, Elon, on how to use advanced statistics to help you win your pool, and goalies were conspicuously absent. So if you don't mind, I'd like to take two minutes to talk about what tools we have in advanced statistics to try and project goalies and get an edge. Is that okay? Of course. All right. Well, now that I've posed the question, I'm going to say that there isn't a whole lot that advanced statistics can offer us. Goalies have really been a big question mark in terms of figuring out a way to project who will be good uh, as a prospect and also who will be able to continue their play and for how long. But there are a couple basic rules that you should look at when thinking about a goalie. And the first, and I think I, I learned this from Tyler Dello, who's since been hired by the Edmonton Oilers, is goalies don't improve. That seems like an odd thing to say. I'm sure we could come up with examples of goalies who have improved over the past few seasons. Well, I think the heart of, of what that's really getting at is saying, well, after a goalie establishes themselves for, say, three or four years, and you get to know what, say, percentage they're going to have, it's not going to get any better. It's not going up from there. It'll likely go down when they begin to suffer poor play, or sometimes play mysteriously falls off for reasons we don't know or because of a change of team. But generally, a goalie won't get better. You shouldn't expect... I remember maybe like four years ago, I was thinking of Cam Ward keeping him in one of my pools. And I was on this message board, this fantasy hockey message board at HF Boards, actually. And I was asking for advice. Should I keep Cam Ward or Semyon Varlamov? And this is like a very different time, even though they're still both in the league. And one guy was like, well, Cam Ward has improved in his save percentage by six points each year. So that means in three years, he's going to have a save percentage of like 976. (laughs) And there's no logic to that. It's not is so much like a player who builds up and builds up and builds up and then hits their prime. A goalie kind of establishes what they're capable of and then levels off. 
Well, clearly that guy was wrong about Cam Ward. He hasn't gone up to a 970 save percentage. It's been actually the opposite. It seems like he's been dropping over the past few years. Yeah, and we'll get to him later in the show again. So I think one principle is don't hope for a goalie to just get better. If they do, we're not really going to be able to predict it. At least we don't have the metrics yet. Two examples from recent memory of goalies getting better that nobody really expected were Sergei Bobrovsky and Semyon Varlamov, who both had excellent seasons even after having played a full year or two in the league. And nobody really saw it coming. Of course, I kept Varlamov and I had sort of an inkling that he didn't have a chance yet to really prove himself. And he got that last year with the Avs, but there's an argument to be made that he's not going to be able to do it again. And what I'm trying to say here is that I'm not super smart for guessing that Varlamov had a great year last year. I guess I got just a little lucky. All right, so when you're saying that you don't expect goalies to improve on their save percentages, I guess you're also kind of saying that save percentage is the main metric we should be using, as opposed to things like goals against average and wins and shutouts? Exactly, totally. Save percentage is probably the stat that the goalie himself has the most control over. A goalie, believe it or not, you know, might win a couple games on their own over the year, but they do not control their wins. They don't even control their goals against because that's more a measure of how many shot opportunities happen against them during a game. Shutouts means they played exceptional, and of course they have a little control over that, but the one that they rely least on their team for is save percentage, right? Because if you're going to stop 9 out of every 10 shots, even if you face 60 shots, you're still going to stop 90% of them. But when you're looking at save percentage, I want you to make sure you're looking at even strength save percentage, which is important because goalies on the penalty kill get destroyed. Their numbers go way down by no fault of their own. Someone on their team took a penalty and then they have a lot of really quality scoring chances against them and they let in a disproportionately large number of them because they're somewhat helpless. And that number bleeds into their entire save percentage. So a goalie who spends, you know, double the time on the penalty kill as another goalie is going to have a lower save percentage number by no fault of their own, really. If you have a really great penalty kill save percentage, you can kind of account that somewhat to luck or streakiness or, or, or whatever you want to call it. But if you're looking for a really steady indicator of what a goalie is capable of through the season, look at even strength save percentage. And is that a stat that's readily available for people to see and track throughout the season? Yeah, you can find those numbers over at the new stat sites we mentioned earlier. Uh, ProgressiveHockey.com has got it, as well as War-On-Ice.com. All right, so even strength save percentage is what you want to look at when comparing goalies. I actually didn't know that. That's interesting. Uh, What else do you have to tell us about some goalie advanced stats? Well, we talked about this when we were talking about players, and it goes the same for goalies. You want sample size. There's a lot of goalies that we're about to talk about on this episode who don't have the sample size to make me feel confident in one exceptional season that they've had. And there are others um, that do, and I trust them a little more. At least I trust my ability to project them more. With goalies, you really want at least three seasons. I think four is even better of being a starting number one goalie. So you probably want about mm, 150 or 180 games at least to be able to start to gauge a goalie. Although some of the reading I've done suggests you should have even more and you should actually be counting by shots. There's some research into what constitutes a good sample size and what you can work with it. And we're going to link to it in the show notes. It's a stat called Hockey Marcel. And I'm not going to get too deep into it here. I'm going to let you read about it on your own. So head on over to keepingcarlson.com after the show 
and make sure to click through to these articles on Hockey Marcells. They come from hockey-graphs.com. Okay, fair enough. A little bit of homework for the keen listener out there. Now that we've sort of covered our advanced goalie stats, why don't we get into some actual goalies? How do you want to classify these guys? Let's start from the top, Elon. There are three goalies in the entire league who I have unending faith in to help carry my fantasy team and carry those goalie categories almost single-handedly. Can you name them? Three goalies. Well, I assume Tuka Rask, Henrik Lundqvist, and, uh, I don't know, Carey Price? Yeah, Carey Price, Henrik Lundqvist, and Tuka Rask are the three guys that you can count on, I think, no matter what. If you have a shot at them in the first or second round in your pool, these are guys who are equivalent in fantasy value to any of the elite scorers like Crosby or Stamkos or Malkin. You want these guys, especially if your league has a disproportionate amount of goalie stats. We had a listener write in recently. His league had 50% of the head-to-head stats determined by goalies. If you get one of those three guys, you're going to be set. So yeah, you know, maybe it's just I'm biased because I've never been a big Montreal Canadiens fan, but is Carey Price really at the same level as Rask and Lundqvist? Or would he be the distant number three of those three? Yeah, if there's an exception to that group, it would be Carey Price. He's only posted a save percentage above 920 twice in his career so far, and that includes, you know, three seasons of 40 games and another season of 50 games. But he does have 369 games totaled with a 917 save percentage, which is fairly trustworthy, and that actually would put him in fairly average territory. But I think maybe he did make me a believer last year. He had 927 save percentage last year. A couple years before that, he had a 9.23, and yeah, I am glossing over a 9.16 and a 9.05, but uh, I kind of, I, I think I would take that leap. You're right. He's not quite as established as Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask has put up a 9.30 and a 9.29 save percentage over the last two seasons for a career 9.28, and Henrik Lundqvist, well... I don't know how much detail we need to go into on him. He has been above 920 in his last five seasons, despite how much of a disaster last season began. He recovered to put up a 920 save percentage overall. So yeah, maybe I'd go Lungfist, Rask, and then probably Price. Maybe he's not quite in that group yet. All right. Well, definitely it's clear that these three guys are going to be leaned on as a team's number one goalie if you're lucky enough to get them. And by team, I mean your fantasy team. But let's say Rask, Lundqvist, and Price are taken. How do you decide who to take next? What's sort of the next tier of goalies? Well, the next tier, and I think a lot of people are already wondering, where are these guys? Uh, And I have them in a category called elite because of their team. And that will probably make a lot of people angry. I understand there were a lot of back and forths during the playoffs last year about Crawford, Quick, and Flurry, who all had their weak moments during the playoffs and during the season. And the fans would say, ah, you know, it's not their fault. That goal is unstoppable. And the more analytics-focused guys would say, ah, this guy would be kind of average and even maybe bad if he played for Buffalo or Florida. But as we said, so many of the stats in goalie categories are team-driven. So if you pick the number one goalie, if there's an established number one on a top three or five team, you're good to go. And for that reason, Corey Crawford, Jonathan Quick, and Marc-Andre Fleury are in pretty good shape. The one I'd be most worried about, though, is Marc-Andre Fleury. I still think he's on a little bit of shaky ground. Thomas Grice has not proven a whole lot, although now he'll be challenging for number one along with Jeff Zatkoff. 
I would still expect Flurry to start at least 50 games this year. I think you'll be fine. However, if there's one out of three that I would tend to avoid, it would probably be Flurry, but I wouldn't avoid him. And then in terms of Quick and Crawford, are either of these guys at risk? They both have really good backups, right? There's Jones on LA who had an amazing stint when Quick was injured last season. And then Anti-Ranta on Chicago did the same thing when Crawford was injured. I'm going to appeal to something I don't normally do to make the case for them, and that's their contracts. Both teams have invested heavily in them. The fans are crazy about them. And I don't think that they're about to be overtaken in the number one spot by either of those backups. Although, like you said, they're really good. And the question is, can we really tease their own performance apart from their team's performance. I don't think it's a coincidence that a guy with no NHL experience could walk in with the LA Kings and do so well. And same with the New York Rangers, the two cup finalists. You had Ken Talbot walking in and doing the same thing with the Rangers. I think they're going to stay with the guys they've invested in and that are kind of the faces of their franchise. And usually for me, that's a bit of a cop-out answer, but I really think it applies in this case. Okay, so basically it seems like what you're saying is those three goalies are basically elite goalies They could carry your fantasy hockey team, but if they ever were to get traded, that would go completely out the window. Yeah, absolutely. And I think because of their contracts, they won't get traded. But if you've got one of them and you can upgrade to Lundqvist or Rask, although I don't know what reasonable person would want to do that, especially because Lundqvist and Rask are also on exceptional teams. You might want to, uh, but I don't know how much better value you can get for those guys as long as they're playing for the team they're on. But I guess the question then becomes, do you want to draft a goalie who is sort of elite because of their team? Or do you take someone who maybe is a better goalie, but not on such a good team? Maybe you're going to get to that category next. That's a tough question, and it might be counterintuitive, but I think I'd rather have an average goalie on a great team than a great goalie on a bad team. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, at the end of the day, we're looking at stats like wins and goals against average and shutouts. And I guess save percentage they'll be able to maintain regardless of their team. That's only one stat. Okay, the goalies that I think are very good but might not be in the greatest situation but still could put up great numbers this year are Yaroslav Halak, Corey Schneider, Pekka Rene, and Jonathan Bernier. I think each of those guys has proven themselves. Bernier, to the least extent, Probably Schneider is the guy I'd trust the most, especially in defensive-minded New Jersey. But I think each of those guys, if they were on an elite team, they'd each be worth a first or second round pick. So speaking of where they are now, though, how high would you rank a guy like Corey Schneider? I've heard a lot of people saying that he's someone, especially in a keeper league, you want to grab and hold on to. I think you said that last season, actually. Yeah, for sure. Long term, if we're looking past this season, which still might be okay, uh, I think Corey Schneider is right up there. He's 28 years old, and although he's only played 33, 30, and 45 games in the last three seasons, his save percentages have been 937, 927, and 921, and you'll notice it went down last year. He's with a pretty poor Devils team, and I feel like they're, you know, you can't keep the Devils down for too long. I think they will get on their way, and I think he's going to be a big part of it. If he could put up a 921 with them last year, I don't see why he won't be able to keep doing it. He's faced over 3,000, almost 4,000 shots over the course of his career, and he's stopped 92.5% of them. I'd be very confident in him. If he's available, I would grab him maybe even after Rask as a keeper option. Wow, so maybe even above Lungfist, just because you think he has a lot more years left in him? Yeah, exactly. And Price would probably be in that conversation too. But in terms of keeper goalies, Corey Schneider, definitely top five, maybe top three. And you also mentioned Jonathan Bernier in that conversation. And 
he is in an interesting situation because he might be in a goalie tandem with Reimer probable to get some starts as well. Do you have any insight into how high you should take Bernier and if you think he's the number one or more of a 1A, 1B in Toronto? I feel like Leafs fans are going to take him early regardless, and that probably settles your fate. If you're not one, you're probably not going to get Bernier. But assuming that everybody drafts with no homer leanings, it's hard to say. I think a lot of people are ready to sign off on him. I mean, the Leafs showed that they were last year, and he faced a barrage of shots. He got shelled, and if your league counted shots against last year, you were solid with Bernier. I think they're going to give him the keys again to the number one role. I do think one of the reasons Reimer's back, from what I read, why Reimer is back in Toronto specifically, is because they told him that he'd get a bit more of a chance this year. So perhaps Bernier will see 50 starts, which is what he saw last year, but he was injured for part of that. And I think the Leafs also noticed, and fans did at least, that he was kind of wilting down the stretch. He was tired. And I think if they want to make a smart play, which... You know, with the Leafs, you can't really count on at this point, but I'd expect goaltending time to be more evenly divided between the two, and perhaps he won't see as many shots against this year with some of the new hires they've made and maybe a new focus on possession and other parts of the game rather than just shot quality, which is what Randy Carlyle was a big advocate of, and it really was not working for them. And before we go on to the next category, there's some guys who are caught in the middle of being on a great team and average or being on an average team but great there's some guys who are above average on above average teams and let me just run down their names quickly Sergei Bobrovsky, Antti Niemi, and Kerry Lettinen are all guys I would draft fairly highly and of all the names I've mentioned those are the guys I'd feel comfortable with running the season as my number one goalie if I haven't said their name yet then I would not feel terribly comfortable if they were my number one option. All right, well, that raises a lot of questions with me. First of all, I like Bobrovsky for sure. He's definitely shown that he's maybe even elite goalie and just needs to be on a better team to get that next status. Carrie Letton and a lot of people are saying is going to have a good year this year, mainly because of all of the offseason moves Dallas made to improve their team. Antony Yemi, though... I know you don't like to take much stock in the playoffs, but you know what happened last year where Stalock even got in for a playoff game. Is there any concern that Niemi might not be the starter by the end of the season? There shouldn't be, is the answer. But will there be? I don't know. And this is more speculation than anything on what the Sharks are trying to do. I think they're trying to change their culture. I think they're a little too obsessed with changing their culture. And part of that might be, yeah, taking away Niemi's role. I think they'd be ill-served to do so. And if Stalock does get more time than he did last year, the Sharks might get a chance to see that uh, he's not quite up to Niemi's abilities. I don't think there's too much of a concern unless the Sharks are way too stubborn about making changes to the team so that they can compete this year. I also wonder if the fact that Niemi is in the last year of his contract... Well, you know, people always say different types of things. You could say he's in the last year of his contract, so he's going to play extra hard. You hear that thing all the time. But also, I would think that maybe since he's in the last year of his contract, the Sharks are going to give Stalock more of a chance since they might lose Niemi. Yeah, that's a good thought. I'm not going to put much stock into the thought that players play exceptionally in the last year of their contract, at least relative to their established standard of play. I don't think there's much truth to that. Uh, but you've got a point. If they're looking to move on to the future, maybe they do give Stalock a bit of an extended look. But hey, that's very speculative, and I'm not that great at that part of it. I do know that Niemi is an excellent goalie, and I would not be afraid to take him into my fantasy season as my number one goalie. 
Hmm, so one name that you haven't mentioned, even though we talked about him a lot last year, and I guess it's about time to talk about him, is Semyon Varlamov. He had great numbers last year, much better than Antini Yemi. Why isn't he in the list of above-average goalies on above-average teams at the least? Well, Elan, I'm going to tell you why in two numbers, 9.03 and 9.13. Those were his save percentages from the two seasons prior to this one. I don't have a ton of faith in a goalie after one good season, and you can actually put Ben Bishop in this category, although I don't know if that's exactly fair to Ben Bishop because Colorado, as we've mentioned several times towards the end of last year and already this year, they are going to have some problems with regression, or at least they're going to have to deal with it a little bit. Uh, We don't know to what extent yet, but I think we can expect a fairly noteworthy drop, and that's going to affect the whole team's numbers as well as Semyon Varlamov's. I don't expect... He's a career 9-17 goalie, and I don't think playing 11 points above that last year is something he's going to sustain. He could prove me wrong, uh, but I'm not going to put my eggs in his basket Ben Bishop has only played more than 13 games in a season once. That was last year. He had a 924 save percentage, which is fantastic. He's going to have to do it again. Uh, If all those guys I mentioned earlier are gone, I wouldn't feel terrible about taking Ben Bishop. In fact, I'd feel better about taking him than Varlamov. But both of those guys, I'm going to have to wait and see before really committing to either one of them as a good early round pick. And I guess for those of us in keeper leagues, I assume you'll rank both of those guys higher. Yeah, well, in Keeper Leagues, you need to try and have a little bit more faith in the future, and maybe you need to take a few more risks. And in that case, they are both on the young-ish side, Bishop more than Varlamov, and I think the Lightning have a much brighter future than the Avalanche. I guess I would rank Bishop maybe a little higher in a Keeper League. It all depends on the dynamics and mechanics of how your league works, how many goalie spots there are, how many keepers there are. But Bishop would not be a bad risk to take this year if you are down a keeper goalie and you need a new one. All right. So next I want to ask you, are there any goalies who you're kind of having trouble predicting how they're going to do next year? They could be really amazing or they could be busts. Yes. And maybe I should have mentioned one of these guys earlier because he's on a great team and I think he's just an average goalie. So let's get to him now. Brian Elliott. On the St. Louis Blues, now that Yaroslav Halak has been traded away and Ryan Miller was not retained after the Blues acquired him at the deadline, I'm not sure what to expect from him. We saw plenty of him in Ottawa, and he had hot streaks, and he had cold streaks. And in St. Louis, it's been more towards the the hot streak side, and I think a lot of that is because of the team's defensive system. He's going to be their go-to guy, and he's done well in that role in the past. He had a 9.22 save percentage last year, although he did only play 31 games, and he had a 9.40 save percentage two years ago when he played 40 games. In between, he had a 9.07 save percentage in only 20 games, so I don't know that we've seen enough from him to know exactly what he's going to do as a number one goalie. The most games he's played in a season was 55 back in 2009-10 with the Ottawa Senators, and he put up a 909 save percentage, but that team was also defensively suspect at times. I feel like the Blues are going to protect Elliott as much as they can. I think he's in a good position to succeed. I'm not ready to put a lot of stock in him, especially with perhaps an NHL-ready backup in Jake Allen waiting in the wings. The Blues at one point had Halak, Elliott, Allen, and Ben Bishop. Both Allen and Ben Bishop were their minor league goaltenders, and they made the organizational decision 
to make Bishop the one they trade. Now, we can't say that that automatically means that, well, Allen's better. The Blues made the right choice. No idea, but I think that does inspire at least just a touch of confidence. And I think if you can get a Blues goalie handcuff, and neither of those goalies, I think, are going to go particularly high in most drafts, I think that's not a bad situation to be in, especially if you can use your higher picks to draft, you know, offensive producers and then end up with these two guys in, say, the middle rounds after 10 or 15 goalies have already been taken. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. Maybe someone savvy will be trying to do the same thing already. I think Brian Elliott probably is valued quite highly by a lot of people, perhaps not for the right reasons, but nonetheless valued highly. And I value him fairly highly myself. Okay, and who else do you have in this list of guys you're not sure how to project? Braden Holtby had some miserable moments last year, but I think the Washington Capitals as a team had some miserable moments last year, and I don't think you can fault him completely for what happened. Although when I think of what went wrong for the Caps, instinctively, I do think Holtby, but looking at his numbers, it's not really fair. He had a 915 save percentage on a fairly crummy defensive team. Before that, he had a 920 save percentage Both seasons, he only started 35 and 45 games, respectively. And I don't know, I've just been hearing, usually I don't go on buzz, but I've been hearing a lot of good things about there's a new goaltending coach in Washington. I think he's a really popular pick to be a sleeper goalie for this year, so I don't know how much of a secret this is. I still wouldn't put too much stock in him, but I do think he's a viable alternative if you get blocked out of all the other goalie choices and Holt Mee's there for you. I I think you can go for it. There are a lot of things that could go wrong in Washington this season. But from what I've seen, it's sort of a a gut, a gut draft pick to have him as my number one. I'd prefer him as my number two goalie, though. So are there any goalies that you would say are overrated for this year's draft? Like guys who are probably going to get drafted high, but you would tend to stay away from? Yeah, and in all honesty, I, I do hate to go on about this, especially throw this guy under the bus after how he pretty much saved and won me my fantasy year last year. But Steve Mason, you can't count on him. A lot of people were so convinced when he started six games two years ago for Philadelphia, put out exceptional numbers comparable to his first year in the NHL back in 2008-2009. And then he was able to continue it for the most part last season. He ended up with a 917 save percentage, but that was full of such streakiness. And if you're in a head-to-head league, that's going to kill you maybe half your weeks. You need a steady goalie, and I don't even know if he's capable of putting up that 917 again. If you look at his career history, he started with 916. He impressed everyone. He had 10 shutouts, 33 wins, great season with Columbus. And then, well, 901, 901, 895... And then in a very small sample size, 899 with Columbus. And then the trade to Philly and his save percentage jumped like 45 points. What he did last year was still 10 points above his career average. I'm not convinced that he's going to stay there. I do think he'll regress. And I would let other people make that mistake and take him a little earlier than they should. The other guy I'd be a little nervous about is Frederick Anderson in Anaheim. Bullies and fans in general love young goalies. They love to latch on to goaltending prospects. And maybe it relates to what you said earlier. If all the top guys are gone, you kind of have to take a bit of a risk, especially if you're in a keeper league, to try and find the guy who is going to be the next established elite NHL goaltender. Several fantasy owners think that is going to be Frederick Anderson this year. Me, 
I'm not so sure. He has a career sample size of 783 shots against, 24 games started. There's not a whole lot to go on right there. He did put up a 923 save percentage on a Ducks team that was probably playing above their head. We've regularly talked about Colorado being a team slated for aggression. I do think that Anaheim is another team that is probably slated to see some regression this year. And Anderson is going to feel that. He's going to be pushed by Gibson. But I have the same reservations about drafting Gibson for my team too. Everybody's really excited about those two as a tandem. Uh, Me, I would tend to stay away. They would not be my first choice. And I don't think even if I got them in the later rounds of the draft, I'd be patting myself on the back thinking I did a great job. I would really want to have a more proven, more reliable option on a team who I can sort of project better for the next season. And then speaking of backups, you say that Josh Gibson isn't someone who maybe you would look at as maybe one of the top backup options. But who would you say if you have to take a goalie who currently is slated to be a backup for their team? Who would be someone who you would take that could potentially usurp for the number one spot on their team and making him, you know, much more valuable in your fantasy pool? Well, there are four guys that I would really target if I'm getting, say, number three goalie for my fantasy team. And they are, if they're still available at that point, Anton Kudobin, Jake Allen, who we already talked about, Robin Leonard in Ottawa, James Reimer in Toronto, and a fifth guy who is kind of just getting on the radar no pun intended because he's on the Winnipeg Jets, is Michael Hutchinson, who I think anybody in the number two position behind Andrej Pavlic has a pretty good chance to become a number one goalie this year. However, it will be for the Winnipeg Jets. They're an average team at best, I think, unless we see some big steps up from several of their players. Um, But if you're looking for a guy who's going to get a chance to step into a number one or one B role and put up decent numbers when you need them in a given week or over the course of your season, I think Michael Hutchinson or any of those other four guys would probably be your best bets. And you hinted before that you were going to talk about Cam Ward later in the show. So would you say at this point it's Cam Ward as the number one and Kudobin might have a chance to take the number one spot? Or is it more like they're right now battling and it could go either way? Man, I don't know what they're doing in Carolina. What I've read is that Cam Ward goes into camp as the number one goalie. I think that would be fairly foolish. I I think Anton Kudobin should at least be given a fair shake from the outset of training camp. Maybe that is the line that they're going with at this point. I haven't read anything about it over the last few weeks. Uh, But I do think that Kudobin could win the job outright. I see Cam Ward as a guy who's, shall we say, riding off into the sunset. I don't think he's had a great past few years. He had a really challenging season last year with an 898 save percentage and only 28 games started. Before that, in about half of the locket short year, he had a 908. He had a couple good years before that, 915, 923. But aside from that, he's been average at best. And I wouldn't expect him to be significantly better than Anton Kudobin. And should Kudobin get the chance, I think Kudobin will put up the better numbers. He's a good guy to stash on your bench in case that happens. All right. And speaking of riding into the sunset, are there any other goalies that you would say, even though they are looking like they'll play this season, you should avoid them at all costs when drafting? Yeah, I would not want any of the following goalies, even if they were the only ones available. I would do everything I could to maybe trade or figure out a way to to settle my goaltending situation some other way. And we've mentioned several of them already. Andrzej Pavlik, Anders Limbach, Evgeny Nabokov, Cam Ward... 
The two I haven't mentioned yet are Jonas Enroth, who was a fantasy darling. I can't remember if it was last year or two years ago. And darling in the sense that he was like a sleeper. He was going to step into that starter's role in Buffalo and really take charge, especially when Ryan Miller left. But Michael Neuwirth is there now, and I think he's probably the better goalie. Enroth has had the chance, albeit for a terrible team, He's had the chance to sort of put up decent numbers and and show that he can take on that load, and he didn't really take advantage. So I would not really want him on my team. But even less desired for my team is Nicholas Backstrom on the Minnesota Wild. It's been a fast fall from grace for him. He had three goalies pass him on the depth chart last year where he really struggled. And I wouldn't expect him to do much more than maybe a 1B roll, unless Darcy Kemper really falters as the starter early in the season. And even if Kemper does falter, I don't see Backstrom coming in and setting the world on fire. As recently as last year, Backstrom was a guy you'd grab, you know, before the middle of your draft. And now I'd kind of say, leave him for the end. If he's available, you can take a flyer, but... Eh, I wouldn't count on it. And for those of you who haven't been keeping up with the news, we're not exactly a hockey news podcast, but do not draft Josh Harding because he is injured. Already there was all of the risk of his multiple sclerosis diagnosis and some of the treatments he's had to have. He's always been sort of a risky goalie to take, but now apparently he's going to be out for at least a couple of months with an unrelated injury. If you want someone from Minnesota, like Brian said, you don't want Backstrom, but you might want Darcy Kemper, who signed shortly after it was announced that Harding was injured, and now you've got maybe the number one goalie in Minnesota as this young guy who's probably not going to get drafted very high. No, and and Minnesota's a good team too, and they're going to protect him defensively for the most part. I wouldn't feel terrible about having Darcy Kemper. Definitely not as my number two. Number one, well, you're, you're treading on thin ice there, I think, and it could work out for you, but it also could not. But definitely a viable starting option, I think, going into this season. And also you mentioned Anders Lindback. He's on Dallas now, right? Yeah, he's on Dallas. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Okay, don't take Anders Lind back. Fair. And I guess that's going to pretty much do it for our goalie-centric episode of Keeping Carlson. Brian, are there any other goalies that you want to quickly mention before we close out the show? Sure. There are two guys I'm really curious to see what happens with them next year, and I'm in no position to make any prediction. Uh, ben Scrivens is the first. He came into Edmonton and, and put up a 9.16 save percentage on a defensively porous team, and that's understating it. And what we saw in Toronto in a very small sample size from him was also very promising. I'll be watching him closely this year, uh, especially because I made the mistake on Dubnik last year, putting up good numbers on a terrible Edmonton team, and then he fell apart the following season. I don't think the same thing will happen to Scrivens, but I will be watching closely. The other is Roberto Luongo in Florida. Luongo's numbers haven't dropped off really at all. He had sort of one blip in the last 10 years, and I still think he's a great goalie, and I think maybe we were remiss to not mention him earlier in the show. He's still a career 919 goalie, and he doesn't seem to be declining at least too sharply. And yeah, he's going to Florida. It's a big change from Vancouver, at least the Vancouver that Luongo played for for most of his career. I'm really interested to see how he does there, as well as his backup, Almontoya. I'll be curious to see if Luongo falters, what Montoya might do in his new backup role in Florida. Yeah, and we'll be tracking that and all other things fantasy hockey as we approach the regular season. Camp has started, like I said at the start of the show, so we're going to be able to start talking about actual things that are happening and not just predicting for next year. Brian, we've got a lot going on here at Keeping Carlson. 
Yeah, big things going down here, and hey, if this is your first time listening to the show and you like it, tell a friend who's not in the same pool as you, because obviously you want to win, but maybe even in the same pool just to support the show. You can also give us a five-star review on iTunes or follow us on Twitter at Keeping Carlson. Yeah, and definitely subscribe to the show. We're going to hopefully get an episode out every week all throughout the regular season to keep you up to date on moves you should and shouldn't be making. Next week, our plan for the show is that we're going to be answering some listener questions. So if you have any questions for us that you want to answer on the show, please tweet at us at Keeping Carlson, and we'll put together the questions that we think are the most interesting, and Brian will go and crunch the numbers and give you his best prognostications. Also, I'll post on the Fantasy Hockey subreddit if people have questions. That's a really great place to go to get involved in some fantasy hockey discussions. I can't wait for the season to actually start. Yeah, I know. This has been our fifth podcast when we've had nothing to report on. It's all just been predictions, I guess, and also some tutorials. Yeah, if you're new, by the way, go back and listen to our tutorial on fancy stats and draft strategies. Those are some good general episodes that will hopefully be timeless. Absolutely. And with that, let's cue the outro music. And Brian, read the credits. Well, thanks once more to Daily Faceoff, Progressive Hockey, HockeyGraphs.com, and Yahoo Sports Fantasy Hockey for being the resources we use to research the show this week. And again, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you all next week. Bye. Bye.